Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymirin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 8 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. You sit by the fire in silence until the embers burn low and the sun rises. It is now morning. As the sun comes up, I'm going to break my fast with one of the rations that were handed me before Mokwe maybe attempts to hand out more of those crappy-ass violet berries. Is there some water nearby? There's quite a bit of water. You're in a swamp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering if there's like, you know, some that's deep enough, but not too deep. Well, there's, there's several large puddles gathered around the trees that are growing in the swamp. Frogs, salamanders, all manner of small creatures generally dwell there. I'm going to see if the child wants to stand in a puddle. It will gladly stand in a puddle, still holding the hecla and it'll just stare out across the swamp, occasionally pointing east. It does so for about an hour. At some point, I'm going to walk by Aaron going, interesting teddy bear you've given it, and just keep going. (laughs) Better than the arrow it took. Go about doing my business, breaking camp, taking down the tents, rolling them up. Madrid's going to walk over to... uh, Making sure the horses are fed. Mokwe and take out two good berries, one for himself and one for Mokwe, and just kind of hand it to Mokwe. And I will take it gladly. Delicious. They are. So uh, juicy. I will help myself to some of my rations. After that battle, do we benefit from a, a rest? No. Okay. I did because it was at the beginning of my shift. I uh, I, go, I always go to sleep at the first and second watches, so. It occurred at the second. beginning of the second watch. Okay. Short, wishes. Short rest is all I needed, really. I don't think anybody took damage. I did. I just bound the wounds. So what is your plan? You still have a journey to Magia. We are going to keep heading east as best we can, as, well, as long as the land holds out. You head east, uh, trudging across the land when you can. The water is fairly shallow in, in most areas. There's deep, deep pools. As you slosh through the murky water, you begin to notice that the water is starting to grow steadily deeper. I don't see that a particular problem for myself, but I know the others may not want to have to swim. We're on horses. No, this is tr- but the people on ponies might not be so I hope you lucky. can swim, honey buckle. If this continues to do this, we there may be a point where we may have to abandon these horses. And I don't want to do so in a spot that is going to leave them at some kind of disadvantage to predators. So while there's still land, we may want to release them, let them find their way back to civilization or wherever else they want to go. It's not like we purchased them. It's true. Did you want to eat one of them? I don't want eat my honey buckle. No, no, I wasn't considering it. (laughs) I am now. Thank you very much. You're welcome. But no, no, I don't think it's necessary to. We have rations. There's more than enough things to eat here in the swamp. You can always go noodling. 
There you go. We can go noodling. And canoodling. Okay. Do yeah. you have, uh, do you want to eat one of the horses? No. This is a buffet line for you, this swamp. There are all manner of, of insects that your ridiculously long tongue can snatch out of the air. I had a good berry. I'm good for now. <laughs> He's trying to be more civilized. Uh, so I'm going to start taking my what, what little equipment I had strapped to the horse and put it back in my pack. Cinch my pack as tight as I can to keep the elements out and be prepared to release my horse. Do we want to try to make a raft? We can do that. I mean, if the water continues to get deep, that might be a good idea. And it does look like it's going to get quite deep. We may even be able to find a channel to, to move our way down and through to help expediate our travel. So while we're still in an area that has a fair amount of timber, a quick construction of a, a raft probably would be prudent. Do we want to maybe try to make a pontoon thing for Madri to wear? Water wings. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the topmost water line? How far up is that? Right, right now it is about knee height to earring and in, in hey, they, if they were to stand are, in the water. Are there any old water lines to, to give us an idea how deep this is going to get? That would only happen during a rainy season. We're not dealing with tides. We're too far from the shore for that. I'll uh, I'll get off my horse, uh, leaving the child on the horse, and I will take out my quarterstaff and start like getting a measure of the deepness. Um, Madri, you want to come over here? It's already deeper than my head. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm just going to climb right from the horse onto the back of <laughs> Madri. Not it, even get my tootsies wet. We got you, Dad. After walking a bit, you notice it is getting progressively deeper and muddier. It's taking more effort for you to pull your feet from the bottom. All right, so we don't want to artax these horses in a swamp. This is true. Let's make a quick raft. I've already unburdened my horse, so if the rest of you are willing to do so, then someone take it back the way we came to a fairly solid place and release them. I'll take the horses back. On your way back, do me a favor and see if you can find some stout wood, long, thin, beech-like branches that we can use to pole something 10, 12 feet long. I've got a collapsing 10-foot pole. Will this work? We're going to need about you know 100 of those. It'll work for you, but the other people that are on the raft are going to need poles as well. Okay. Because if we're all doing so, then it makes things go a little quicker and easier. And then it puts it away. But in the meantime, I need larger timbers so we can actually build a raft. Oh, okay. Let's... I have to see if I have a raft mini somewhere. Here, let, oh. let, let me look. Oh, look. Wait, I have one here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you never know when you need a raft mini. That's a paddle on it. That's cute. It's how it comes together. Just it, <laughs> Rafts inherently have paddles. Yes. So we'll take some of the vines to, to make some cordage real quick, and we will take some of the uh, the timbers that we can find that are a little drier because they have a tendency to be a little bit more buoyant than the live ones, and we'll try to put together a raft that will accommodate us all. You spend the better part of the morning putting together a raft, searching for appropriate length wood for poles and releasing the horses. I also have 50 foot of hemp rope to use for the bindage. Same. For the time being, let's stick with, there's more than enough vines around here. Let's stick with that for the time being. All right. And because it's going to possibly ruin as we your rope as we drag it across things on below the surface. And I'd hate to see you just throw a rope away when we might need it later on when there's more than enough natural materials around here to use as cordage. Do you need any survival checks or anything? 
for branches and the whatnot to no no that's that's fairly easy enough i will need one from whoever is constructing the raft 19 that's appropriate i would assist with this constructing the raft you have a sturdy raft that you seem confident will float will provide you with enough dryness to it'll still be damp the swamp water will I, still run over the top I, but, i'm not worried about it, but it keeps us out of the water proper so that's fair enough yes and any predatory animals that lurk beneath the surface and then you start pulling through the swamp trying to maintain an easterly direction and jumping from open body of water to open body of water at some point we may have to you know lift the raft everyone grab a corner and lift and move it to the next body of water but do what we can or just drag along the muck traveling on the raft is definitely drier provides you with a sense of security that you wouldn't have when when sloshing through the swamp affords you a great deal of protection as you've been winding your way through the various swamp channels you see large numbers of alligators that will occasionally appear on the surface of the water peek out look at you and then descend back into the depths bother us not cousins we're only passing through the swamp, much like the forest of the Wilderin, is constantly alive. There's buzzing and chirping, birds and frogs and all manner of creatures calling and making their sound, the oppressive insects. As you wind your way through the swamp, eventually you come to an area where the raft will just not go any further and you have to carry it over land for a while. But with the five of you, it is fairly easy to do. Which makes sure we get Dash out from underneath it before we set it down. <laughs> Should we just get underneath in the middle somewhere as we're holding it up? Oh, no. I'm, or pretending he's holding it up. I'm pretending to hold up, but my feet are, like, dragging on the top of the <laughs> water and hitting the reeds while you guys pull it. How tall is Mokui? Like 3'1", three, 3'2", three, something? 4'9". Four 4'9". Nine. Four nine. Four nine. Nine. How tall is the child at this point? Just about three and a half feet tall. Okay, so there's four of us carrying the, the raft. The child and Dash are too small. The child will walk under the raft and hold its hands over its head and place them on the bottom of the raft and will occasionally watch what everybody is doing and mimic that behavior. Soon the child will become a treasure chest and eat people's hands. (laughs) (laughs) What are your passive perceptions? 13. 13 as well. 12. 10 plus with... It should say it on the front sheet. Oh, 14. 15 for me. As you're carrying the raft overland, you are carrying on a conversation. You come to an area where there's water. You set the raft into the water, still continuing your casual conversation. Madri and Mokui catch out of the corner of their eyes. The child, its mouth is, is moving. It's uttering no sound, but it almost appears as though it's mimicking speech. Okay. It's not saying anything into our heads? No. I'll call over to Eric, and has he spoken at all, other than telepathically? Yeah, nothing. I haven't heard the child say anything vocally. Well, I mean, take a look. He looks like he's trying to... There was that one time he threw up, but they threw up. Oh, that's true. Uh, watch the child. Is it sick? No. The child looks quite healthy. A little paler than what it was earlier. There hasn't been a lot of sunlight in the swamp either. The canopy is pretty dense. Did we water it today? Yes, this morning for an hour. I'm going to go to the child. I'll take its hand and I'll put it like on my throat and I'll talk 
so it can feel the vibrations in my throat as this is this is where the voice comes from. As as you're talking to it, it watches you intently and then places its hand on its throat and begins to move its mouth as if it's speaking. However, no words come out. Does it what's it look like it's saying? It doesn't look like it's saying anything. Its lips are moving, but you can't really ascertain what it's saying or if it's saying anything at all. It's unclear whether or not it's trying to speak or if it's mimicking what Earring is doing. Human food sucks. That's what it's saying. Just keep an eye on the child. we got to continue. As we're going forward, Dash, can't you speak with plants and animals? Animals. Okay. I try to have nothing to do with plants as much as possible. But you can, right? I can make them grow. Maybe that frame of mind is why you can't hear anything in your head. It's spoken to everyone else. I mean, granted, one word, but it's spoken to everyone else in their head. Don't know. I've never heard anybody in my head, so. That's what I'm saying. Have you had any physical contact with the child? Oh, hell no. Maybe that's why he can't hear the child. I haven't even poked him. But Earring has a good point. Why don't you come up here? I will walk up to the child, hold my hands up in the air like I'm giving up to the cops, and then put them out straight pointing at the child. It holds its hands up in the air, mimicking your movement, and then holds its hands out straight. And then I, when its hands come out straight, I will quickly flip my hands and put palm to palm. Dash flips his hands over, rests them gently upon the child's hands, palm to palm. Immediately, Dash falls backwards on his backside, winces in pain. When you make contact with the child, there is all of these experiences and the word Oma over and over and over and over again that assail your mind all at once. It's like the floodgates have opened all these experiences that the child has had from Mokui fiddling with the acorn to him trying to pry the lid off of it to him unscrewing it, dropping the lid, everything that has transpired from the very beginning of your encounter with this being up until now. You have this pain like an ice cold ice pick being driven into your mind and then gradually it starts to fade. So aside from you uh, being a klutz, anything happen? Yeah, I got this like jolt. It looked like I was looking through somebody else's eyes at memories that I don't have. And then this, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. Yeah, I could use some sunlight. Feels like an ice pick just went through my head. Child looks to Earring and then Longway, Mokui, Madri, and finally Dash and blinks twice and extends one hand to Dash. I will blink twice, hold my hand out. And the child wrenches you to your feet, almost lifting you entirely off the ground. Then I will maintain the grip and glide from wherever however high he gets me down to his feet it's just a very short pop from fanny to feet and then i will look up at the child you are fully standing yes and it's a good foot taller than i am i look up at the child (laughs) you're two foot nine that's right (laughs) i look up at the child and then i will giggle and stand behind him like uh he had been being towed along from the big giants and just hold on to his hand like I'm being towed. Child will look at Earring as if for approval, and will do that for a very long period of time, an almost uncomfortable period of time, locking his, its eyes on you. I nod in approval. The child turns away, seemingly satisfied with your nod, and lets go of Dash. All the while still holding the equipment. Yes. 
and then he'll wait for you to climb on the raft before he does so. I will help the child onto the raft. Well, with any luck, that will clear up whatever blockage, stoppage, and when Acorn speaks to us in our mind again, hopefully this time you'll be included. Okay. A bonus to hearing one word over and over again is... You'll know what's going on. You'll never forget. Okay. Well, I know it's grandmother, so cool. We think it's grandmother. That's our the, the most common interpretation. It's an ancient language. It could mean something completely different. We interrupt this podcast of an acorn journey to talk about our sponsor. Are you a veteran DM with more campaign ideas than prep time? Yeah, of course you are. Aren't we all? Does your party have a habit of going to the person or place that you would least expect? If they're like my group, they sure do. What if I were to tell you that I could put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk to cut down on your campaign prep? What if I were to tell you that you could bring them along with you at your game sessions for when those pesky players go off the rails? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy-and-pastable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. I've been running games for the better part of 40 years, and I must admit, I've gotten a bit lazy. I just don't have the time I used to. And I've been using Terrain, which is minimizing my need for descriptive narratives. Stuff is right out there in front of you. Why describe it? When I was prepping for an Acorns journey, a DMD story, I used Describe quite a bit. When you listen, you can hear it. One of the things I like the most about Describe is that if the narrative doesn't fit perfectly with your encounter, it's easy to modify while still sounding really good. I did that an awful lot. I think this makes the more than 6,000 narratives that they have available for you even more valuable. It almost doubles what you have at your fingertips. You should give it a shot. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story. You begin to pull through the swamp again. About late afternoon, the swamp begins to grow dark. There is a silence that begins to fall on the swamp. And then the displaced air of a passing projectile tickles the hairs on the back of your neck. That one barely missed. It went right down the center of the raft. The shining black bolts continue to fly far faster than you've ever experienced before. Whistling through the air with unnerving speed, you hazard a glance over your shoulder and spy the shooter, a massive misshapen creature with pallid skin like a bloated corpse and a wicked pair of sweeping tusks framing a toothy maw. The skull-like visage of the fiendish creature twists into a sneer as the devil loads a fresh bolt and brings the crossbow to bear. You get the feeling that it won't stop. Is it faceless? It is not, but it is garbed similarly to the faceless ones. This one has massive tusks and more features than the faceless ones did, but you still get the impression that this is something allied with those. On the raft, I take a defensive position in front of the child and pull my longbow out and fire back. As a bonus action, I will cast Zephyr Strike. 23. The dice are working out well for you, at least. Told you, I de him. I will also mark it as a favored enemy. 
So that's four points of normal damage, four points of force damage, and two points of psychic damage. Four points of normal damage. Four points of force damage, and two points of psychic damage. For a total of ten. Ten. You know your arrow found its mark. You just do not see the effect. Once the creature is hit, it dips behind cover and fires another bolt in your direction. How far away is it? It is perhaps 30 feet away, skulking through the swamp, dipping behind trees and underbrush. So it's going to be a very long time before we're out of range. How much Febreze is there? There's none. It is very still. Then I will cast Fog Cloud at the edge of the shore where it's at, so it can give us a little bit of time to, to get away. Badry's scanning the area for other shapes in the swamp, making sure that we're not being ambushed or anything. Gash climbs Madry. You raise your hands up and begin to draw the power of the Wilderin through the bottoms of your feet, up through your legs and out your hands. And with a very slight flourish, you cast your spell. A fog begins to lift from the swamp. Very dense fog in the area of the shooter, which clouds your vision. Madri crouches, dash astride his shell, and begins to scan his side of the swamp, looking for other enemies. I'm going to continue to lean into the pole to give you some distance. I'll be assisting after I cast after my spell's done. So you begin pulling along much faster. The child picks up Earring's pole, looks to Longway. I'll give him a nod and hand over hand, put it all the way down till it hits the bottom, hand over hand, lean into it, push, pull it back up, and do it slow enough so I, you know, it can see how I'm doing it, and then pick up the pace once again to, again, get us some distance. It spreads its legs wide. You know its toes grow longer, and they begin to hook at the end into the raft, and it dips the pole into the swamp, and the raft lurches forward. It begins to do that again and again and again. And I'm going to synchronize my, my pulling along with his so we can make sure we can maintain a direction. Two more bolts whiz by you as you're pulling along. One of them ends up striking the raft at the very end. Going to continue. You continue for perhaps a half an hour, feeling fairly comfortable that you've created enough distance between you and whatever is hunting you. And then another projectile is fired. Missing its mark, but ricocheting off the shell of Madri, almost hitting Dash in the leg. Again, from behind us? This one, you think, is off to the side, striking Madri in the back. It seems like the creature's moving faster than you thought it would. It's almost silent. You can't hear any sloshing. There's no, none of the normal swamp sounds. See if I can spot where it is and how far away it is. Got a perception check? Yes. I was just going to ask what you were going to use. Yeah, it's only a 10. Madry's going to turn and return fire. To where? The uh, direction that it hit me from. He's just kind of shooting off in the distance. Uh, 24. You spin and fire an arrow into the direction that you think the bolt came from. It's unclear to you whether or not you've struck anything. The raft has been steadily moving at a much quicker pace now than it had been before. When there is the bale-piercing portal effect, is that accompanied by noise or just a slight wind? A slight wind. Start scanning the edges for sudden movements in the foliage, just in case it's porting from place to place. Okay. Make a perception check. Oh, a whole big 10. You cannot make out any indication of any portaling or anything for that matter. The normal wildlife isn't even present. 
must have the same problem as me, this lurching of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why I was hoping for, once you told me it was quiet, that's why I was hoping there was some kind of, like, audio. But if it's all visual, forget about it. As you pull along, another arrow or another bolt, projectile, whatever have you, strikes the raft. Do we see where it comes from? Are you actively scanning the area? After that shot, yes. Give me a perception check. 20. As you're scanning the area, you see a dark, bulky shape moving along the trees with blinding speed. I loosen it, and I miss. Hearing will maintain a defensive position with the child and will scan the area. So 21 on perception. You see a black shape moving among the trees, swinging in an almost ape-like fashion through trees, incredibly silent, running along the trees on all fours. It's moving with an incredible amount of dexterity, and it is obvious it is hunting you. I will take a shot. 14. Your arrow strikes it, but bounces off. Does this look like the one, the two that had attacked us when we were at the camp before Valanasi Village? No, this is very different. It is almost beast-like in appearance, but the fact that it is stalking you, it is using weapons, is gives you indication that it is an intelligent beast of sorts, but you've never seen any, anything like it, nor have you earring, and you have traveled extensively throughout much of the wilderness. Madri points out where it is and where it's swinging to the rest of the group, so we all have a general idea. Mokui. Yes. You are struck by a projectile. Son of a bitch. It has found its mark. Take one point of damage. What is the distance to the shoreline that it is running down? It's not running down a shoreline. It is well, running swinging over along the trees, going from tree to tree. A boreal hand over hand? Yep. Okay. Um, and how far is that distance from us? It varies. It's usually within 30 to 40 feet. Oh, perfect. It's carrying, once it has been identified by two of the group, my guess is that you would let the others know. It's carrying a heavy crossbow. It's a crossbow of massive proportions. I am going to draw my plus one short sword, look at it, light him up, and I aim for the spot he is with uh, fairy fire. That's got a 60-foot range. Okay. So he gets a deck save. Okay, as the creature is leaping from tree to tree, in midair it is struck with Dash's fairy fire, and it is illuminated in a bright scintillating purple. Hope that (laughs) helps you guys. Thank you, Dash. <laughs> All the weapons people are reaching for dice. <laughs> Earring. Earring will take a shot using Zephyr Strike and aiming for the crossbow. A 12. That is a miss. It is moving with even more speed now that the hunt is on. It seems to have an animalistic fervor to it, leaping greater distances, swinging, taking flight through the air, but still brightly illuminated. Long way? As they are taking shots, I will pull my bow out and get ready. It'll take me you know, a little bit to get it strung. I'll be ready to fire next round. Madri's going to loose. 23. 23 hits. Four points of damage. You catch the creature in mid-flight from one tree to another, strike it in the leg, swings back up onto a tree, slaps the protruding arrow from its leg, and continues its pursuit of the raft. Okui? I'm going to continue pulling down the river. Feverishly, you begin pulling, trying your hardest to 
keep the raft from drifting into a tree or into a, a muddy area. At times it's very difficult. You find you have to push yourself off of obstacles in the swamp. And then another arrow is loose. And Mokui, you are struck again. Mokui, you take three points of damage. It is then that you realize that the thing that's hunting you is trying to pick you off one by one, with Mokui being its first victim. Okay. Mokui. Yes. Get behind Madri. And I will do so. You scamper along the, the raft as best you can with the protruding bolts sticking out of you and take cover behind your turtle companion. Is it possible now that we've watched it for what's basically a couple of uh, rounds to determine exactly how fast it is moving? It has moved even faster every time you have either doubled down on your polling or after both times it struck Mokui. So it's at this point it should be moving faster than I would say I could move. Yes. Okay. I am going to just crouch on Madri's shell and hold everything. If it starts moving deeper into the woods, then I'm going to launch and try to keep myself close enough to it to keep the fairy fire on for a while. Okay. So swamp gliding. Earring? Earring will cat use his last spell slot to cast Sever Strike once again, aiming for the crossbow. 19. 19. And still has the favored enemy up against this. 13 points of normal damage and one point of force damage. The creature is in hot pursuit, leaping from tree to tree. On one particularly tall, you have more. Two points of psychic damage. As the creature is running along on all fours on the tree, a particularly large one, you find your mark, take a breath, loose an arrow. The crossbow has a strap on it, and the strap is around the creature, much like a tactical strap for a rifle. Your arrow finds its mark, strikes the strap, and continues to go through the other one. There's a loud plop as the crossbow falls into the swamp. It casts off the strap and continues its pursuit. Long way. Now that my bow is ready, knock an arrow and loose it. With the firefighter still up, that would be helpful. That's going to be a 19, and that is going to be 11 points damage. Again, another arrow plunges into the creature. It slaps the protruding arrow from its body and continues its pursuit. This time, it looks as though it's catching up to you. It's moving even faster than it was before. Dash? I'm just keeping an eye on it, making sure I keep it outlined. As soon as we hit, actually, are we working in combat rounds right now? Yes. We're in round three. You can hold it for 10. Yeah. That's what I was just checking. So you're going to hold I am holding my action so that if it moves or if it catches up within 30 feet, I am launching. Okay. Madri? Madri's going to lose another arrow. 24. 24 hits. Or four and three is seven. Again, the arrow finds its mark. The creature speeds up. Now parallel with the raft, it pulls the arrow out, drops the bloodied arrow on the raft, and you can see the sneer across its face as it's looking at Mokui. Mokui? Behind Madri here, but I'm still going to be trying to direct the boat or the raft in the direction so we don't hit anything. It dropped the arrow on the raft, so it's now within 30 feet and triggering my held action? The creature is now parallel with the raft. It is aloft in one of the trees, and it leaps taking flight. Its massive bulk hits the raft. With As the a reaction. In midair. 
Got a held action. Got a held action and a reaction. In midair, dash. I launch myself directly into its path. Okay. And I am going to swing at it with the short sword, which is a plus one if that matters any. It is in midair as it's descending, its massive bulk coming down towards the raft. Dash launches himself off Madri's shell, a crooked glide as he hits the air and moves straight towards the creature, your attack dash. Uh, my attack is to one, rage. So I turn bright purple and my ears start glowing almost red and there is that scream sound that comes out of my throat and I swing mightily as I can at whatever part of his body I can not hit with advantage. a... Uh, oh, advantage, yeah. Right. Good, because that was a two. That's a 16. That's much better. That's a that, 21. That is a hit. Roll your damage dash. Four, four, eight, ten. Ten points of damage. You cut deeply into the chest of the creature. There is a look of excitement and thrill on the creature's face as the hunt grows even more entertaining. Madri, you had a reaction? I have a semantics question. It launched itself from a tree. Yes. Would you consider that a missile? Because I'm going to deflect it. <laughs> I want to deflect that missile. That would be nice, but unfortunately... I'll spend a key point. I'll spend all of my key. I, I want but, to but run the training it, where we fire a ballista at you and I, see if you can deflect it. I'll do it. Yeah, but it, it actually states what the missiles are, and they are arrows and bolts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately, this large. not a, not a, a, a <laughs> creature... <laughs> Yeah, but, but that would have been damn. awesome. That would have yeah. been awesome. Yeah, great babe can't be deflected. <laughs> Fine. Shell shock. <laughs> <laughs> the creature lands on the raft, deflecting Dash aside as Dash does this awkward barrel roll of a glide into the swamp. It lands on the raft. Those people on the raft, acrobatics or athletics, whichever is is better for you. 16. 24 athletics. 23 athletics. Mokui? Seven. The bulk of the creature lands at the end of the raft. Mokui takes flight. <laughs> Spinning through the air, arms and legs. You say you say the end of the raft. The front of the raft? The front of the raft. Okay. Because everybody's more towards the back. Does yeah. Mokui count as a missile? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting closure in size. <laughs> it, it looks incredibly uncomfortable as he cartwheels through midair, limbs flapping, and there is a plop, and he disappears below the surface of the swamp. When the creature hits the, hits the raft, long way you dig your, your long dragon-like toenails into the raft and hold fast. Madri's low center of gravity, he drops into the horseman's stance in a deep squat and is able to displace his weight so he is not easily knocked from the raft. Earring, your your skill as an archer and a woodsman and your cat-like agility has kept you from losing your balance. It is almost as though this creature never landed on the front of the raft. And the child continues to pull. Now he's just landed? He's not going to have perfect balance just yet. He's gone from one surface to another. I'm going to make a tail strike to okay. see if I can take him off his feet. In doing so, I'm going to... Burn. I will have Earring go first okay. in initiative order. Yep. 
Uh, Earring will drop his bow, pull out his battle axe, and take a defensive, maintain his defensive position in front of the child. Long way. I'm going to do the tail swipe. I'm going to burn a superiority die. Good thing. Uh, that's a 21. 21 will hit. That's going to be uh, for five points damage, and he needs to make a dexterity saving throw versus 13. See if he can maintain his feet. He falls into the water. Your tail lashes out, and there is a sound of a cracking whip as the tail strikes the back of the creature's knees, and he topples forward or backward into the water, disappearing under the water in the swamp. Then I'm going to move to the edge of the, the raft that was the closest to where Mokwe went in the water. Mokwe flew somewhere <laughs> off into the into the swamp. It looks like he had made it into a very deep pool. You're looking for bubbles and the whatnot from Mokwe. Not overly concerned because, after all, He's he is frog-like. <laughs> but I am waiting for, you know, for him to pop back up so I can quickly hoist him back onto the raft. Madri's searching for Dash. Where's Dash? Yes, was Dash deflected off towards the swamp or straight down into the swamp? I will get to Dash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not a very good answer for you, is it? We'll see. Sheathes his battle axe, picks up his bow, and knocks another arrow and maintains his position in front of the child. There is a, a moment of silence, and then you hear a snapping sound. The logs begin to part from one another. The logs of the raft? Yes. How far are we from land? You haven't seen land in a long period. The closest thing to land are the swamp trees that protrude from the swamp. Mangroves? Well, these are these are different. And are they would they afford us enough footing? If you climb to the trees, these are large, large, large trees. I, and, you know, I turn to the child and I point towards the trees and, and say, we need to get over there. It looks at you and its mouth begins to move and it nods. Nothing comes out of its mouth, but it drops its pole, picks up the hecla and jumps into the swamp, descending beneath the surface. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to... F- jump in as well. I'm going to grab, yeah, I have my battle axe, I have everything. I'm going to shoot the longbow and I'm going to jump and I'm going to the tree I pointed out. Long way. The raft's falling apart. Mokwe's in the water. The child's in the water. Earrings in the water. Earrings in the water. The only two people on the raft left is is Madre and myself. Uh, Madre, I'm going to plant my feet, cup my hands in front of me and look over at the tree and I'll launch as best I can. <laughs> All right, uh, Madri takes three steps, dum dum, and leaps off of uh, Longways. He puts his feet in my cupped hands, and I'm going to lift with everything I can to give him a little extra boost to see if I can get him to a tree. And if I fall backwards in the water, I don't care because I plan on jumping in the water anyways. Roll me an athletics check, Longway. That's going to be a 14. And Madri, can I have one? Or an acrobatics check, whichever is better for you. <laughs> Critical fail. <clears throat> Madri, <laughs> with with an incredible dexterity that belies a being as bulky as he is. Which he, is what I was counting on. <laughs> his foot strikes your hand, and you launch with all your might, and he shoots straight into the air, just, just as high as you expected. And then you hear a plop as he lands directly behind you in the water and disappears under the surface of the water. 
I'm just going to hang my head, sigh, and just lean sideways and slip into the water. <laughs> Dash, when, when you impacted with the creature and, and struck it, you spun off in a dizzying barrel roll, a crooked barrel roll because of your damaged wing. You fall into the swamp, go beneath the surface, and pop up under a root of one of the massive swamp trees. Mokui, when you hit the water, it is like being struck with a club. It stuns you momentarily. After a moment, you blink your eyes back open as you begin sinking beneath the surface. Okay, I'll swim under the surface, back to where the raft is, because I don't know the raft is being taken apart at the moment. You take one point of damage. Okay. Do I take any damage from that hit? Take one point of damage. That's enough to keep. <laughs> that's enough to keep the rage going. I climb out of the swamp on using the root as a rope. After a moment, you begin to see the Hecla poke through the surface of the swamp. Gradually, you see more and more and more of the Hecla until the child emerges, covered in swamp muck and algae, and it begins to climb up the tree. Earring, you find your way out of the swamp barely keeping your nose above the waterline and find yourself at the tree with the child. Longway, very gracefully, swims himself to the shore. Well, I'm going to go down. the tree, I I'm should I'm going to go down and see if I can find Madre's shell just in case because he's a tortoise, not a turtle, and may not necessarily be all that comfortable submerged in water. So if I find a shell and grab it, then I will swim pulling him behind me to shallower water. feel around, and Madri is already in motion. He swims to the surface with you holding onto his shell. You both see... He just crawls along the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what I was expecting. Crawls along the bottom, and as, as we get towards the edge, you just see Longway standing up taller and taller. <laughs> <laughs> Heroic pose, just rising out of the water. And there you see... Earring in the in the child. Mokui, you eventually make it to the surface. Dash, you are seeing all of this unfold at a distance. You see Mokui blink his eyes a few times. There is a, a look of shock on his face. <laughs> you can see them, your companions, holding on to the tree. The child is resting on a branch of the tree, sitting astride it like a, a rider would a horse. And then you see this look of terror on the face of Longway, Madri, an earring. The child looks at you and blinks twice. It is an expression of, oh shit, on the face of your companions as this dark form begins to rise directly behind you out of the, the water. A massive, black, bulky form dripping with muck. It has two almost cleaver-like knives of the size of a sword in each hand. And it raises the weapons up above its head in a killing blow behind Mokui, and that's where we'll leave it for this week. Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, Sin Morse, and your DM, Scott. A special thanks to you, our listeners. You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo. Hi, this is Ben, Madri from An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. 
Tell us what you think about the campaign over at Apple Podcast and Podchaser. Leave a review as well. Remember, you can find us over at Facebook and Twitter or on the web at thedungeonmastersdojo.com. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, please consider using our drive through RPG affiliate stores next time you're shopping. If shopping isn't your thing, you can buy us a sake. We love sake. Consider showing your support by buying some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. The links are in the description. Thanks for listening.